Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the rising popularity of forage crops as a means to bridge the feed deficit this year, researcher Nicky Byrne gives us his tips and advice on managing these crops throughout the winter period. There's definitely been an increase, I suppose, for specific crops. You could say that there's been a fourfold increase and I suppose the, the most recent estimates will be that there's about 40,000 hectares of forage crops, westerbulls, and I suppose hybrids and um, Italian uh, ryegrass uh, species sown on, on farms across the country to, to bridge that you know, fodder deficit. What are the reasons people use forage crops? Yeah, so I suppose traditionally, you know, forage crops have been used with, with great success, you know, particularly for feeding your young stock, your, your maiden heifers. You know, they offer a real high quality feed. And I suppose, you know, where farmers were expanding and housing facilities were becoming under increasing um, pressure, you know, people sowed forage crops out with their young stock and it, you know, took a lot of pressure off there and still delivered very high animal performance. However, this year we're seeing them being used in a different a different uh, scenario and they were used, you know, to bridge the, the fodder deficit. As well, a lot of these forage crops have a very high yield potential and, and can grow over a relatively short growing period. So it's in particular, we saw, you know, a lot more forage crops sown from the end of July onwards. You know, traditionally, we would see a lot of kale sown, you know, sown down in May or, or June. But this year, you know, it was kind of towards the end of the year after that drought um, to try and, you know, replenish um, fodder stocks. And you mentioned high quantity um, and where you're sowing in May, you've a quite a long growing season. What's going to be the effect this year of the later sowing date? Yeah, so the later sowing date, um, I suppose one thing it did change, it changed the types of fodder, fodder crops that we were using. So, you know, traditionally, you know, our kales, they require, a, they have a much higher yield potential, but they need a longer growing period to, to, to realise that. Um, so what we did see this year was, you know, probably increased uses of hybrid brassicas. So they were cross between rape and kale. So I suppose from the end of July, early August, we saw a lot of those going in. And then later on in August, we would have seen, you know, people switching back to, to forage rape a- after that. Um, but I suppose as the year went on, your yield potential is reducing, you know. And so as a result of that, what we have seen is probably very variable crops. And, you know, we probably got hit with secondary droughts as well. So there, there's a big um, variation in the, the, the yield that's on some of these crops. And have you any advice for farmers on how they should assess the yield of their crops and when should they assess it for the winter? These crops should have their, their full growing season, you know, completed, I suppose, at the end of October. So they're, you know, perfect for grazing from the end of October onwards. But there, I suppose there's no harm in getting into them a little bit early. The crop will still be growing ahead of them. You're not going to be letting them into all of it. So you, you can start you know, grazing a little bit earlier than that. And, you know, some of the crop will still be, be, be growing. Um, but I suppose if you want to manage the crop properly and achieve good utilisation, you need to know, you know, what your allocation is. You need to know, you need to measure the crop. So I suppose the exact same as grass, you know, use your quadrat. But, uh, you know, you, you need to get a kind of a, a better representation of, of, of the yield than what we have with grass. So you're probably taking four quadrat cuts whereas you might take one with, 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 with our traditional grass um, quadrat. So, yeah, it's the exact same as, as, as your grass measurement. Uh, we'd be taking about 12%, 13% as our dry matter percentage for these uh, brassica crops. Um, so I suppose just get a hedge clippers, cut the contents of the quadrat, 
put them into a meal bag, weigh them back and multiply it by your 12 or 13% dry matter. And that will give you your, your herbage available per, per hectare. And then if we move on to the quality, what is the quality of these um, feeds relative to, say, your grazed grass or a kilo of barley? The, the quality of these forage crops is, is very, very high. You know, they're a vegetative, actively grown crop with a, a high leaf proportion on them. And I suppose their, their quality comes to their, their detriment as well. You know, these crops are in excess of 80% digestibility. So they're very rapidly fermentable in the animal, very fast passage rates. So we have to kind of counteract that with our, with our fibre source. But I suppose the best thing to compare your forage crops to is, is that of spring grass. Do you know, we know that there's just slightly over one UFL per kilo dry matter um, in, in our forage crops. So they're a real high quality feed. And, you know, farmers should take full advantage of that and prior- prioritise stock you know, that they need to get weight gain on over the winter and get those out on it and, and you know, t- take the most from them. So you're particularly targeting kind of youngstruck, the growing the growing animals in your on your farm. Exactly. And if if we talk through then um, day-to-day management of these forage crops, you know, some people, it'll be their first time uh, letting animals out. What should they look for in terms of maximising utilisation? Before getting into the utilisation, I think... You know, when farmers are initially, um, you know, animals are introduced to this, you know, on a a gradual basis. So you kind of would give animals a transition period of about seven to 10 days, um, you know, adjusting their diet and including, you know, increase the level of forage crop in their diet. um, You know, increase it by, I suppose, a kilo a day or start them off with an an hour's allocation and increase that up, you know, as, as time goes on. I suppose what they need to be looking at now you know, they have a poor mineral profile. So I suppose before introducing them to the to the forage brassicas, farmers need to go in and address the, the, the mineral issue. So I suppose bolusing animals with, with a trace element bolus is probably the best and, and most reliable means of, of counteracting this. So that, that should be done now. Um, and I suppose these forage brassicas can only make up 70% of the animal diets. That's, that's the upper safe limit. So you have to provide a fibre source there um, and I suppose an ad lib fibre source, you know, to allow the animal, you know, full time access to the fibre. They'll eat what they require. Um, but it's very important to have that there. Just to pick up on that, Nikki, you mentioned that you need to include a forage source that's typically provided in the form of silage. You know, you see fields of, say, kale and they have the silage um, bales dotted out across the paddock. Would you recommend farmers get out now with their silage and place it in the field in preparation for the winter? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, get out now while ground conditions are still quite good. You know, we want to avoid going in with tractors, dropping off a bale, you know, in the month of December when, when ground conditions are poor. And that's when you're really going to cause damage to, to the soil and a, a, a compaction issue. And, you know, that will li- limit when we're trying to get this back into grass, these fields back into grass or the next crop, you know, that that is going to be a problem. So... You know, if you haven't done already, try and get your bales. You'll have a rough idea where your allocations are going to be going and the, the expected crop yield. You know, plot your bales out in, in the field now um, and avoid having to go in there um, d- during the, 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 the winter. You mentioned that the forage crops are of really high quality. What sort of forage quality should you be targeting in conjunction with the forage crops? Yeah, so I suppose what we need to provide is a form of roughage. So something with, you know, good fibre levels. So typically, you know, your straw or hay are ideal for, for um, complementing your forage crop. 
but I suppose straw is probably going to be the limiting factor this year. So I think if, if farmers have access to hay or even average quality silage, you know, use those as your, your, your roughage source for your, for your animals uh, grazing a forage brassica. Uh, you know, yeah, just use whatever silage is available. It's just to slow down the, the rate of passage, increase the rumination uh, of these animals, um, and it'll, it'll help them overcome... Um, you know, the real high digestibility of, of these forage crops. And then in terms of the practicalities of day to day, when you're, you know, fencing off area for the animals to graze, what do you recommend? What I would recommend definitely is uh, to use double fencing headed animals. And I suppose that's a safety mechanism as well, uh, as well as, you know, reducing the workload on, on the farmer. Um, you know, if animals gorge themselves on the forage crops, they can be dangerous. Um, so you want to avoid animals going hungry. Keep a double fence ahead of them and ensure it's not earthed and that there's good power in it. Um, and that's where the double fence, you know, it really reduces the risk of them breaking through and getting access to the full crop. Um, and also when you're moving animals, if you have a lot of animals behind you when you're given a fresh allocation and you only have a single wire, you know, it, it's very hard to hold them back and things do go wrong and they, they, they could break through on you and, you know, it can be very hard get them back and just it adds greatly whereas if you've your two wires you just roll up one let them into the next allocation then move on another 10 meters or whatever your allocation needs to be and and place the next day's fence and what you do probably need to do you know in you know crops that are waist high or whatever you know you'll need to you know flatten the fence line there so maybe a slash hook or something just you know flatten it down so the wire isn't getting earthed and that it that it is safe ahead of the animals and then in terms of maximising utilisation, you know, what do you recommend in terms of the size of the feed face? Yeah, so what we would be recommending with um, with forage crops, you want to maximise, say, the wire area that you have. You know, if, if we give a kind of a, a big square area to animals, um, you know, we'll, have, we'll end up with a lot of trampling of the crop there. So what we want to do is feed the, have a very wide feed face, you know, give wide, narrow strips to your animals. And that'll, you know, increase the, the area of the wire. It'll reduce the amount of trampling. And by having it that wide as well, you know, because of herd hierarchies and, and um, you know, bullying going on within the herd, it ensures that if it's wide enough that every animal has, has fair opportunity and will get, the, will get the same level of intake that, that they need to get. Do you know, that their, their, their feed face isn't restricted and they all have equal opportunity. And I suppose, finally, Nikki, if we could just draw on your knowledge of receding, um, we can't predict what way the weather will come in the spring, but what would be your recommendation for getting these uh, this area back into grass in the spring? Yeah, so definitely on, on milking platforms or anything like that, you know, it's getting these back to grass is going to be our prior priority in the spring. You know, we know we, you shouldn't go with another forage crop or another forage brassica again because you know, you, they're kind of suitable to a one and five year rotation. And that's because of the build up a club route in the soil. So look, we're going to be looking at targeting, getting these back into grass and, um, you know, using the PPI to select the varieties. And um, you'd be hoping to get in with a, a, an early spring reseed. And we've really seen, you know, early spring reseeds doing well this year. I know it was so difficult this spring gone by to get them done. But, you know, we've seen that they were established um, sufficiently to withstand the drought this year and they really, you know, serve farmers well. So look, I, I'd be looking at, you know, getting these fields targeted for reseeding towards the end of March or, or next April, really. You know, the, the, the forage crop is going to be gone out of them by then. Um, 
but I suppose put the steps in place now to minimise damage to the soil. You know, animal grazing and the threading from animals is only going to be superficial damage, but it's going in with tractors, putting real deep trenches in your field, that that's going to be an issue. As well, depending on how good a seed bed you had for your forage crop or the level of damage that's caused to the sport, you know, you, you probably will get away with a run of a disc harrow and so on with a one pass with, with your grass. So, you know, we can get a pretty quick turnaround on these and, you know, the forage crops do fit well into a, a reseeding programme. Um, I suppose just one other note on the, the forage crops, you know, we need to be cautious of these and when we see the yellow flower coming on any of these crops in the spring, it's time to finish up grazing these. So that, you know, we could see that depending on soil temperatures and how early sown the crop was. We could see that from, I suppose, mid-February onwards. We need to be vigilant that we don't have these yellow flowers because we know that we get increased levels of glucosinolates, which are toxic to the animals when this yellow flower is there. So that'll be our, our cut-off point and they need to be gone by then. And then we can start looking at our, at our reseeding programme after that. And just to recap, Nikki, can you give us your top three tips to achieve optimum management of forage crops? One of them will be get your get the work in the field done now. Um, get your bales left out and, and you'll have a rough idea of where your allocations are going to be going. So that should be done immediately. And um, the double fencing is going to really help with, with, with the grazing management and just the, the, the workload that you're going to have. And I suppose when you are moving these fences, it should be done at the same time on a daily basis. So do it at about 12 o'clock during the day and that will allow any frozen crops to be thawed out by the time you're given a fresh allocation to animals. And also, I suppose, just when farmers are starting to graze these crops, it's important to provide a good lieback, a dry lieback to the animals. So if they can, if there is a slope in the field, if they can um, start grazing at the top of the slope, that the animals will have access to the driest part of the field and a dry lieback for the remainder of the winter months. So those will be just some mild little pointers on it. Okay, thank you, Nikki. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Nikki Byrne for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.